everyone, and welcome back to another week of Going Infinite. This is your uh, weekly source for limited discussion news. My name is Paul, also known as Identikit, and uh, joining me on the line, as always, is my friend, my co-host, Matt, also known as Ducklet. How are you doing tonight, Matt? Uh, can't complain. Uh, just taking a little bit of a break and relaxing, drinking some tea. There you go. There you go. And uh, we are very excited to have finally hit our 25th episode, um, although some of those are uh, wrapped up in our set reviews, but they are pretty lengthy and in-depth, so I think they should at least count for their own episodes in and the, of themselves. But we've made it to 25 already, and we're going strong, and we want to keep going. Uh, we hope you are enjoying what you guys are listening to, and so we wanted to bring along a special guest, and we have had um, this gentleman in mine for a long time and we just wanted to wait for kind of a special moment to be able to bring him on because um i think i can safely say uh and you can agree or disagree matt but i would say that he uh single-handedly has is responsible for myself and you as well i think to uh get into hex shards of fate so we owe him a lot and uh that man is none other than pentachills also known as nicholas but we couldn't get him so you just have me yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just on the off chance that my audio is like weird or something, it is actually me, Tennis Chills. I was just joking. I'm an idiot. I, I'm actually doing really <laughs> bad. I'm in the middle of a draft. I have Matriarch of Flames, Heart of Embers, and I have to make a decision on this turn, and it's really annoying. Oh, you poor I thing. <laughs> like, which thing do you want to deal the three damage to? Or? Yeah, well, oh, like, I have to make a swing here, and I might win or lose based on it, and it's weird. Uh, <laughs> You poor thing. Well, um, so Nick, how does it feel to know that you are responsible for two Hex podcasts? Your own and ours, basically, well, in a roundabout way. I'm not really responsible for either. I, I like the idea, <laughs> um, like even jokingly, of that. It's kind of funny to me, but uh, the podcast that I co-host on, uh, Two Turns Ahead, is very much somebody else's uh startup and then mike michael allen uh kind of roped himself into that and it's his his thing now i mean it's our thing but we weren't responsible for it um we are glad to keep up with it though and and also want to give a big shout out to michael allen zubrin himself he uh he's a great podcast uh leader and like just part of the community and he's helped going infinite kind of get up and going just by helping promote us answering some questions i had and and just uh being all about friendly and wanting to promote the uh not just the hex community in general but like a little more specifically like the podcasting scene which i think is awesome and i think it's going to help pull more people in so big shout out to him i only got two prime packs uh, out of this <sighs> are you kidding me i'm not, I'm not kidding you in this <laughs> oh wow so um anyways uh Matt, do you have any uh, any dis- anything you wanted to ask Nick before we kind of jump into what we wanted to talk about today? Has there ever been a moment that you regretted getting the two of us into text? Uh, no, <laughs> and actually, and actually, that's kind of a that's kind of a thing that I guess people wouldn't really know is as involved in the hex community as I am. Way, way, way back when uh, I first read the Penny Arcade Kickstarter kind of joke panel strip. That was uh, that that eventually brought me to the Kickstarter. Um, 
I I was playing a game with a friend of yours and mine's, Matty, uh, Colin. I don't think you've met Colin, uh, Paul, but th- this isn't Hex Colin. This is a British Colin, not a not a Scottish Colin. It's a it's a weird thing we're talking about it here, um, but. Yeah, I, I knew you guys way and way and way and way and well beyond Hex ever started up. And for a very long time, uh, as Hex was getting closer and closer to launch, I was like, oh, because all three of us were into Magic beforehand. And it was I was showing you guys, like, look at this card. Look at what it does. Look at this. All the clients out. Look at this. And I was basically pestering everybody I knew about Hex for a super long time. And so, yeah, we knew each other a long time before Hex. That's cool. And it goes yeah, without saying, you guys being here. Oh, we're glad to hear that. But it goes without saying, I forgot to mention that Nick, uh, you can also find him on Twitch TV streaming on a near daily basis, it feels like. Uh, but he is generally on in the afternoons. What are the specific days you're on? Uh, there's no specific. Just like no specific. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you can find him uh, under Pinachills. He also uh, streams under the Hex TCG main uh, Twitch name as well sometimes. So. Check him out there. Go in and say hi. Uh, okay, and I are often. Oh, it's five stars as well. Uh, but Matt and I are, are often in the channel as well, uh, chatting along or idly watching while we're playing our own games or something along, along those lines. But um, yeah, it just feels feels awesome. So um, there's, I'm sure a lot of people know quite a bit about you, Nick. So I'm not going to go real in-depth on asking maybe any, they you know <laughs> that'd be weird well i, I mean much just, limited, you, so it's weird for me to be <laughs> true true but you, you're you're a lot more well known i think in the uh, hex community so um if you guys want to check him out and any of the, the work he does you can check him out on five shards you can also check him out uh on twitch under pentachills and uh and he does some awesome content there he also does some awesome shout casting for a lot of the five shards uh tournaments and stuff like that so uh, please keep that up. We love what you do. Uh, but yeah. all that aside, I uh, it's been a little while. We've been it's been hectic here lately uh, with the release of Hero Fall. We had the Cosmic Crown Showdown. We had uh, a lot of stuff going on uh, on my end as far as uh, the whole that tournament went. And I've been busy. I've been uh, we finished the set review um, a little later than I had wanted to, but it still got it done at least. And this is really our first episode back, uh, normal episode back to kind of talk about the format and what it's like and to finally get our hands on a draft snapshot of Hero Fall. So I know I'm excited. And um, instead of like having a specific topic today, I, I we wanted to do at least one or two uh, draft snapshots. And then we, we're also going to do an Evo sealed uh, build together on stream. So I'm not on stream. I'm sorry, on podcast. So you guys can listen along. And uh, just kind of get input from uh, not only myself and Matt, but from Nick as well. So, um, Matt, do you want to go ahead and start with yours first? We can if, if you'd wish. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, we are also going to be posting these. Oops, We are going to be posting these in our uh, Twitter. You can find us at Let's Draft Hex, or you can just search for Going Infinite. And if you guys want to follow along with the draft snapshot that uh, we're going to do, we're going to do Matt's first, and then we're going to do mine. And uh, we were going to go through and talk about all the in-depth decision-making that goes in with each and every pick. Um, I also have not... kind of an interesting um, uh, draft 
like a hex meta draft thing that if, if we need time for a third one, uh, I, I'll show okay. you how this works. I can link you up to it. But yeah, Sounds hex good. meta does let us go through that stuff now. Woo. So you guys have it up? I'm trying yes. to pull yours up and it does not want to pull up. What is it? Uh, it's like not maximizing. Is there a way so, for me to... Oh, there we go. I got it. There's a little plus. Yeah. Just as a little disclaimer, I didn't mark the first my first pick so that you guys wouldn't know where it went because I thought it would be more interesting to see if you guys could guess what I first picked for the whole draft. Okay. Yeah, that was definitely on purpose, right? No, yeah. I, I have a shot of it selected and not selected. Oh, okay. Um, so Matt, why don't you walk us through this, right. uh, this, yep. so we're starting in the top left and we're going to go down the column, I assume. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, uh, my first pack had a, uh, shackles of malice as the rare. So, uh, I quickly, uh, passed over that for the, uh, uncommons. We have a cloud runner, a dread factory, and we just, and then for our commons, we had an Ashwood firebrand, a winter brave, a crackling clash. Um, those are most of the notables there. Canyon Howler. So, uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this pack? What are we looking at here? What's your first, uh, what's your gut feeling on this pack as your first pick, first pack? I didn't well, open a Matriarch of Flames, so I'm right. going to hit the white uh, flag. Uh, this is a little known draft tip. There's a little white flag above the draft that you can click to cancel out of the draft. And then I'm going to start a new one. It's called the No Matriarch, but I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, it, it, it says forfeit. It, that, I, that's French for I didn't open a legendary amount. Mm -hmm. um, well, the, I mean, in all seriousness, I, I've gotten to the point where I'm pretty much opening a pack and I am directly looking at all the Ruby cards. So the first thing that jumps to me is the Ashwood Firebrand. Um, I do like Dread Factory actually quite a bit. Like it's really in a really solid enabler for a lot of the dreadling based decks uh that use scrounge and assault it's pretty uh it's pretty solid um cloud runner is an, a fine card it's just not a great archetype i think overall and awakened thurgis is a pretty strong finisher in blood but i think we can pick things up like that later so the, the biggest thing that jumps out to me matt is the uh, ashwood firebrand yeah, it's the Firebrand or the Cloud Runner for me. I I might take the Shackles, like even a like even joking draft aside. I think a turn one Shackles is legitimately difficult to beat. But I mean, there's more often than not your opponent's just like, and now it's a llama, and you're sad. Uh, you generally get eight points of damage in with it, though. There's not much quick removal that actually deals with it. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you guys pretty much nailed it on the head. I slammed the fire brand and really didn't look back. I will say that, <clears throat> Paul, I kind of disagree. I think Cloud Runner is actually much better than you give it credit for. And okay. almost every time that I've played that like set four Diamond Sapphire Flight deck, it's usually worked pretty well. The set five one? Well, I mean, yes. I mean, these are set five cards, yeah, yeah. but I built it in a way that kind of looked like it was. It should have been oh, a set I see. four. Yeah. yeah, the the Sapphire Diamond deck gets a lot less credit than it should, and it's usually open. So you can like, I'm not sure you first pick this Cloud Runner anyway, 
But if you did, and then you got rewarded, which peering into the future you wouldn't have, um, which is a shame. Oh, maybe. Anyway, uh, like if you get rewarded across your three packs, like I, I don't know if you watched the other day. I think you were there. I had I had a draft that had six cloud runners, and surprisingly, opponents just can't deal with like four flying two twos on turn three. It's 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 strange. They have a hard time with that. I mean, yeah. Outside of that really fridge scenario, I mean, it's still. I mean, flight is still really good, and in this set especially, it is harder to find. And uh, if you can find enough guys that just fly over, they, they typically can get the job done. Especially when we're talking a 2-2 flight for one. But yeah, I took the Firebrand. That it's that card, we've we discussed it at length at how ridiculous that card is for a common. So I pretty much just scooped up and went on to the next pack. We don't need to spend too much time, but real quickly, Matt, going into why Shackles of Malice is uh, too dangerous or, or not a good f card. Uh, personally, I don't I don't like it at all because not only does it fall into the trap of you really have to have it out on turn one or two to to see it activate, I think, but it's it's a, it is a large amount of life you're paying in to, for something that, like Nick said, you you can pretty readily deal with in this format and your opponent sees it coming from a mile away so they can oh, just I mean, wait wait <laughs> hold up the, the crackling blast or something you telegraph know? right like, right it's there, well, there right. should be no surprise that that card is coming your ideal scenario is that you get it down on turn one and then you swing for eight on turn four i think it is um, I think it'd be turn five because it does it at the uh, sure, beginning sure. of turn. Sure. Yeah, I think yeah. it's four it, for, for as much as I've played it. Now, <laughs> for, for, you know, well, now, and here's the thing is for as many times as I've talked about this card and said, well, I, I would just never play it. You know, like there was a long time where I looked at this card. I was like, obvious trap. Let's ignore this. I have never seen it not connect for at least eight. Uh, either played myself against me or on somebody's stream. I have never seen it not connect for that eight. And, I mean, I've seen it blown out after the fact, and that's cost somebody because they gave up that much health for it. But the fact that it can attack on that turn is, is fairly important. Have you seen them die before they get to turn five? Um, no, I don't think I've seen that. I killed someone in Evo, and they played it on turn one. So that was a lot of help. When I'm playing my Ruby, uh, <laughs> yeah, well. Diamond aggressive deck. I don't know. I, I've I've played against it where it's been activated. I've played against it where it hasn't been activated, and I've honestly have never even been hit by it. Not that not that that goes to say that you can't do it. I just I'm not a fan of that card in particular, just because of the health mostly. I mean, if it was just after four turns you lost like four health and then it turned into Malice Demon, that would be cool, but. That's it's just a little bit too much health to be paying in a format that everyone is looking to attack. Uh, let's keep going, Matt. To your second pick here. All right, so this is the second pack. This uh, this features this pack, Kismet's Curio is the rare that was passed, <laughs> and we also That's have the a howling, a howling plains alpha field medic, an Ashwood transmitter, an Ashwood firebrand. Uh, let's see, a War Priest, a Dread Botanist, Crackling Torment. Those are most of the notable cards. Uh, what 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 are you guys looking at here? Uh, running it back with another Firebrand. 
Um, honestly, uh, so I'm a really big fan of the Howling Plains Alpha, though. I think that card is fantastic. So we've we first picked uh, an Ashwood Firebrand. So you would think going into this pack that the Ashwood Firebrand would be the obvious snap pick. But if you think that we can use our Kismet's Curio and turn our Ashwood Firebrand from before into a three drop, then you'll start to see the possibilities unlock. I, I got to see the possibilities as my first <laughs> round opponent played two of these curios. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I mean, I pretty much just slammed this firebrand. Like, yeah. I looked at the Howling Plains Alpha. I really did. Like, I was considering it, but I felt like it was much easier just to stay Ruby than it would be to... Uh... We've already taken a firebrand. So yeah. the Howling Plains Alpha, if it was your... Like, if you had taken, say, a Gust Mage as for your first pick, which would be a weird first pick, I understand. Let's say the Canyon Howler. Then the Howling Plains is a much more attractive choice, but you've taken an Ashwood Firebrand. I would play, I think, nine Ashwood Firebrands before I would stop taking them. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty easy to pick up a second one pack, too. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. <laughs> You'll see nearing the end is that I tried to find the limit of how many firebrands but uh all right so our third pack we have uh it's featured with a forgotten forge a hilltop monastery uh fire in the hole haunting cry mechanized aerialist battlefield ironsmith guppy gloves and itachi brute uh, among some other cards i mean this pack was actually quite good what, what are your guys' thoughts on this one um so Got a couple options here. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the Brutes. Uh, I do like Fire in the Hole a lot, which I will most likely just take here just because you want removal and it goes well with your Firebrands. But I also really like the Ironsmith with your uh, Firebrands as well. Like you can play a Firebrand uh, on two, turn two or three and then play the Ironsmith uh, a turn after. And if it has the Valor on it, then it's like swinging as a six attack with uh, Swift Strike, which is pretty absurd. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I just go with the fire in the hole, honestly. What about you, Nick? The Iron Smith. So this is like the eternal question, right? Like your your Iron Smith and your Itachi Brood are definitely the strongest troops. Like if your entire deck was Firebrands, Iron Smiths, and Brutes, you wouldn't be sad ever, not even a little bit. But Fire in the Hole just deals with so many things that your 3-2 Swift Striker can't get through. Or, you know, like, it's basically an Ace in the Hole as opposed to a Fire in the Hole for bigger things. And especially since you're already, you know, on the aggressive train, I think you go with Fire in the Hole. Uh, I don't hate the Haunting Cry either, just to talk about a card in a different shard. Haunting Cry is surprisingly okay when you're already dumping away the Firebrands and whatnot, and card draw is kind of okay. Nobody's ever sad about drawing cards. Yeah, I honestly, I was eyeing the Brute pretty much until the end of time on this pick. I think this, in retrospect, outside of, I think, one of the packs in uh, pack two, this is probably the hardest pick, and I think this is... I felt like I wasn't going to see any of these, either of those other cards wheel if I had taken any one of the, the Ruby cards. I felt like they were just going to be gone. And 
I don't think any of them wield. So I, I think that, unfortunately, the removal is a little bit more important than taking the really strong troops. And that's kind of why I just, at the last second, switched to the fire in the hole. But that brute is really, really strong, especially in multiples. I agree. Moving on, our uh, next pack is... has. Let's see what we got here. We have a Blight Reaper, a Dread Factory, a uh, Spoil, a Cremate. That one, that's pretty much it as far as uh, notable cards in this pack. This pack is pretty weak. Um, but I did, I did highlight it for a reason, and I, I would like to get you guys' thoughts real quick before I highlight why I, I took a picture of this one to put onto the screen or onto the snapshot. Well, um, I mean, getting a, a fourth pick cremate, which is what I would ultimately end up with in the pack, I think I would be pretty happy with, honestly. Um, I'm trying to figure out specifically why you wanted to highlight this. Um, maybe you were thinking about going all in on like a tanker truck if you wanted to uh, really just push your like ones and two drops Um Maybe that is part of the discussion, but I, I think that the cremate is just ultimately what I'd want here. Or I guess we don't have a second shard here yet, so we're still all in Ruby. Maybe the uh, Seedrosaurus is something to talk about as well. Yeah, the Seedrosaurus catches my eye. Uh, I'm sad we didn't take the first Dread Factory, because now we would have a second Dread Factory. We could just be making Dreadlings and having them do our bidding. Uh I really, really don't hate Emberleaf Bladesman. I think I think if this was me, I might have taken the Bladesman uh, because the versatility that it offers in Diamond and Wild is 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 touch and go. Like you're often going to suit this up with either either Valor or Swift Strike anyway, but the Flight uh, or the Steadfast or even the Crush Gems can give it some versatility. And uh, there is a Crackling Magma there, and that card. Card card gets the surprising amount of work done. Okay, I mean we uh, we took the cremate. It was a I thought it was a pretty easy pick, but I just wanted to uh, I wanted to highlight this one in particular because uh, mostly just to to talk about the uncommons and how often I see pretty much that run of uncommons. How oh. late you'll see the four of right. those together. Have you guys noticed those four? I feel like those four are next to each other in almost in that exact sequential order like all the time. And so maybe it's because people don't take the, those cards very highly. You see it more often. I, I mean, maybe that's a possibility, but I just thought it was awkward. I wanted to point that that run out as one that I had noticed. So way back frequently. way back when when cards were 50 or packs were 15 cards and uh, during set one, before you guys played, actually, or before Paul played at the very least, um, a bunch of community members discovered the set one print run. They, they figured it out. And uh, and Uncommons have a print run, and, and this is going off set one data, uh, but there's sometimes a hole in the middle, like a random card, and that makes it really hard to tell exactly how the print runs work. Now, that, when you say this, though, I think I've seen Dread Factory and Treacherous Pass and 
Hilltop Monastery and Forgotten Forge next to each other like a billion times now though. So yeah, not only do not only do I agree with you about these four kind of looking similar, but I think I, I think the print runs for the uncommons are kind of noticeable, especially now that the outposts are there. So yeah. I think all four of these cards are quite narrow. Um the factory is amazing, by the way. Kind it it is, but it is it's a little scarier to jump into right away, uh, because you don't know if you're gonna be the blood player. Uh, so I think people are a little more hesitant to pick it early. Uh, the Dread Factory, I think, is the best to pick early out of these cards. Uh, but uh, even that is is narrow in a way, even though you can find a, quite a few uses for it. But like just overall, the, the narrowness of these cards means that they're likely going to be picked up later as opposed to sooner. So I, that could have something to do with it as well. But I think it's a combination of that and the print runs, Matt. Uh, like I said, I thought it was interesting, so I grabbed a shot of the of those four. Um, going on, our next pack is uh, this is I believe our last yeah this is our last uh, pack one pack. It features another Cloud Runner, a Verdant Mill, a Puke Troll, Canyon Howler, a Venom Blade, a Fiend of Nolzon, a Gruesome Deed, a Dustwing Priest, Jet Cadet, Burly Brawler, Death Dealer. I mean, this pack was pretty absurd. Um, Arguably the worst card in here was the uh, the sure. And this is the fifth pack. I mean, that's a lot of good playables still left in the pack. That's kind of surprising. Um, I was very surprised by this pack, but uh, let's get your thoughts on uh, where we should have gone with a pick. So I think the big options we have are. Uh, I do like Gruesome Deed, and I think that Gruesome Deed is uh, a solid card, especially to be picking up this late. Although we don't have anything to really work with it yet. We did see the blood seem to be opened, more or less. Uh, there is the Puke Troll, which I really like a lot. And uh, I don't know if we will necessarily jump out and say Wild is open. I don't know if we have that information yet, but uh, I do like it with Ruby. It's already in one of our shards as well. Uh, Surly Brawler is is kind of whatever... And then Duskwing Priest is also a really solid diamond card to pick up if we want to jump into diamond, which I know you'd be happy to. I mean, there's just a lot of ways we can do this. Uh, Venom Blade is also really good. Uh, I think I would, I think I would go with a Puke Troll because I think that Wild is underdrafted, and you're clearly in Ruby already. Uh, I think, I think, I can't really give a whole lot of other reasons other than that. Uh, I do like it in aggressive decks, especially with your Firebrands as well. All right, Nick, your thoughts? Um, I mean, I like the Putrol. I wish we were in Cloud Runner territory so we could have two. I, I think, I think I really do like looking at this pack and seeing a Canyon Howler and a Duskwing Priest, though. Seeing both of those together, I really, really like Diamond. I really like Canyon Howler in partic particular because it gives you a little bit of versatility. Okay, fair. Um. So I'll be honest, I was this was a pretty hard pack as well. Uh Puke Troll was I think it was my first it was what I looked at first and then I sat there trying to talk myself out of the gruesome deed. Um mostly because we had seen two dread factories. Right? And I figured that maybe we could get one back. But um 
Yeah, I just I went I guess with the more safe pick and just took the the puke troll. That card is quite powerful. It's got a lot going for it, um, yeah. and and it stayed in Ruby. So I, I it uh it gets a little obscured over the course of this draft, and we'll see here in the next couple of picks that I honestly I dropped out of puke troll and then magically ended up back with it. So it this pack was uh, there was a lot of power in it, but um, and even though I took the roll, I the idea of going in wild wasn't even cemented until much later, like into pack three. Uh, let's see what we got here. All right, our next uh, selection is from uh, is our is the first pick from pack two. It features my rare, which was pack hunters, and we also have a death's head rider, a coral cove witch, a fireball, a staunch etherealist, a another fire in the hole, a bring to justice. Uh, crackling torment and the unforgettable baby yeti it's pretty forgettable uh what are your thoughts on this one i think it's between the removal uh are we we're, we're still pretty primarily ruby at this point we haven't like solidified into wild right at this at this point i <clears throat> in pack one i didn't see another playable wild card um, okay. The only other non-Ruby card I took that I had even had it in consideration was a Crackling Blast that was like 13th pick. Okay. So, I, I think if I'm this heavy into Ruby, I actually really like Fireball. Or, I'm sorry, Fireball here. Um, I think that the choice between that and Fire in the Hole is really interesting. Uh, fire in the Hole, we already have one. It does suit up well with the, like, Firebrands, uh, you can use it uh, before your opponent's troop gets to uh, deal their damage in a blocking situation and still pump it because your Firebrand is attacked as well. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting interaction. But I think if I'm just so heavy into Ruby and the Fireball uh, Triple Ruby Threshold is really not going to be an issue, uh, I think I like taking the Fireball just because it's so cheap. Fair enough. Nick, what are your thoughts here? I mean, I just like the pack. I honestly, if you were a little closer <laughs> to wild, I would have the pack hunters is very nice. I, I really do just kind of want to scoop all these cards up and make a deck out of our first pack and this. I like fire in the hole over fireball, generally speaking, for our deck because we've already got, you know, at the very least in in our knowledge, multiple firebrands. Uh, we've already got a fire in the hole, so we know we're going to be, you know. Most of our turns are going to go shard, uh, proceed to combat phase, swing with all, and then see what happens. Like, good luck, have fun. And, you know, Fire in the Hole is typically going to do more damage to a troop than Fireball. So our, our question is, how many times are we going to need Fireball to hit face? And I don't think that's going to matter much. Uh it's a strong pack. I, I would go with Fire in the Hole. I agree with the decision that you ended up making. <clears throat> so I will say this. This this pack, If when I looked back at the whole draft, this this pack actually had I had the most regrets over. Um, I, I took the Fire in the Hole. I really, it was, it, honestly, <clears throat> and maybe this is wrong, but it was between the Bring to Justice and the Fire in the Hole when all things were said and done. Um because I had the crackling blast, I was leaning towards the uh, another piece of removal that, for the most part, can kill a lot of things. But um, 
I wish I would have taken the Death's Head Rider. And mm. I, Interesting. I talked myself, like, I was leaning towards it there kind of at the beginning, and then I was like, I need to play, you know, I need to play the... I need to play correctly, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but I need to I need to take the cards that go into an archetype that I know are very strong. And I, I mean, I, I have seen the Blood Ruby decks do well, but I've also seen them kind of uh, have some problems mingling their strategies together. So I took the the fire in the hole, but I I wish I would have taken the Death's Head Rider because uh there i saw more of them like the next pack there was another one and then later on in the draft there was another one i could have taken and i i hated myself for it like for the rest of the draft um but moving on this uh this next selection is i think it's our fifth pick um this uh was a very interesting pack to say the least it is uh Headlined by Burly Brawler, a uh, Battlefield Ironsmith, a Bring to Justice, another Fire in the Hole, a Canyon Howler, uh, and a Naive Lackey. Uh, what are you guys' uh, first thoughts when you see this pack? Other than it's pretty ridiculous for uh, seeing four cards. Uh, I mean, at, at this point in our draft, I'm just like, oh, another Fire in the Hole. Sick. Yeah, I think I'm on the... Uh same thought as nick here uh a really late bring to justice is a pretty big sign that diamond is open ruby is already clearly open i think we have solidified ourselves as uh one of if not the only ruby players at the table what from what it looks like we're just getting really late ruby card which is not something you see very often but uh i like the troop as well i i, I definitely agree with taking a removal here so uh, it's going to be between the Bring to Justice and the Fire in the Hole. And without much else to go on in Diamond at this point, uh, I think I go with, with the Fire in the Hole. And we're okay with shipping the Bring to Justice as well, just because we already have multiple Valor Makers ourselves. And we're most likely going to play the Valor Champion as well. So, Did I, you 3 0? No, I I lost in the finals to Shard Flood. Okay, that which is was not just. I'm just trying to find this draft on Hex Meta while we're in the background, so I was just curious. I think the... I don't. I I I know at least one around. I don't remember if it was. I mean, I was, uh, trying to do two other things while drafting. I don't remember when I lost, but I got Shard Flooded really really bad at some point and lost. So, um, so with this pick, um. I took so I had I think I already had three fire in the holes at this point so I took the bring to justice to try to diversify my uh, removal sum. Uh, in retrospect, I probably should have just fire in the hole because I didn't even end up playing diamond. I but agree I mean, with again. That's it's hindsight, you know. <laughs> I agree with the thought of diversifying your removal, uh, especially if there's just random like rares that you just can't beat uh, that Bring to Justice can help you with. Uh, things that you don't want to die because they have crypt shenanigans going on or ways it work, deal with scrounge. But um, but yeah, I, it, not to mention, Fire in the Hole is a little bit more of a restrictive removal action. So you don't necessarily want to have a handful of Fire in the Holes when you don't really have anything out or attacking or have profitable attacks to uh, 
really cash in on those fire and the holds as well. So that could be an issue, and I could totally see that. Fair enough. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next one. Uh, so I, I marked this one more as a discussion just between us about um, what we should have taken, or if this, if these seeing these cards here should have swayed me one way or the other in which shard combination I was going to play. So again, I was kind of still on the fence between diamond and wild. Um, I, I had in a, at this point, I had a couple of cards that went along with a puke troll. I had a couple of cards that went along with a bring to justice. Um, and I saw this pack. Do you, th what, what are you guys' thoughts? Do you think I should have uh, taken one of these cards to solidify the secondary uh, shard? Or do you think I should have taken uh, one of the Ruby cards to stay the course and then just keep waiting on what to kind of, pull the trigger on what my secondary shard was going to be. Hey, so this is the top right one? This is the... Oh yeah, let me read off some of the cards we, we see. We see a Scion of Nolzon, a Rocket Rider, a uh, Battle Agenda, Course Change, Smash Magus, Winter Brave, Stinkhorn, Jet Cadet, Mortar Strike Driver. Um, I like I like the idea of the Winter Brave. Right? You've got the Bring to Justice. You know, it's got a socket. It plays well with things. But Scion of Nilzan is is a very good. Like, I will do whatever when you when you're when you're another pack and a half away from here. I'm still going to be a Scion of Nilzan. Chances are, I can do things. And I really do like that. Now, as for the wild thing in here, I mean, you've got the Smash Magus, but I don't think. Even the Puke Troll makes me care that much about Smash Magus at this point. As Stinkhorn. Um, I like Stinkhorn. And I think we have most of the cards that Stinkhorn would normally just not... would Like, that wouldn't care about Stinkhorn. But, nah. I, I, I really do... Like, I think you're either taking a Ruby card here, the Mortar Trike Driver, perhaps, if, or the Rocket Rider, if our Underworld or our Scrounge uh, are either enough for it or the scion paul what are your what are your thoughts here so for me it is between the scion or the rider uh the rocket rider sorry there's uh two guys driving vehicles here uh but i like the jetpack dude myself because if we're playing a really aggressive deck and we're, we're wanting to go like a two drop into a three drop and keep attacking uh to keep triggering our uh fire in the holes hopefully we're just going to be able to keep doing that all day and win and that's probably a viable strategy but we're often going to want to be turning those on and attacking in and uh, forcing our opponent to make trades uh, and if they don't want to make trades then we just keep growing our fire in the holes uh, and even if they do trade then we still got to grow the fire in the hole for that turn but it's also going to fill up our yard enough to the point where rocket rider will come in i think and just finish the job uh, i really like it paired with the aggression as well i think that this can come down on uh, the final turn of the game and just in the game that your opponent was not really able to calculate for uh we don't have a lot of ways to specifically just you know make scrounge like a viable strategy but uh i think that i like it as a finisher like in this deck uh where the scion is is fine and it can do some some work i think that it is not necessarily what the rest of our deck is doing at this point. Okay, fair enough. I I, I ended up taking the Scion. Um, 
honestly, I think uh, if I would have taken the Winter Brave and put the uh, flight when attacking Jim in there or something, I, I think that would have actually stuck me into Diamond. But um, yeah, well, yeah, I, I think I, that's the second pick in here, by the way. Yeah, like, I, just, I, I just wanted to stay open. That's why I took the Scion. I, again, I, w I hadn't. I just couldn't get a feel on the draft as far as what my secondary shard was going to be because it seemed like there was. If you had taken the Death's Head Rider, shards. If you had taken the Death's Head Rider, this Zion of Nozon would be such a windmill slam, though. The, oh, absolutely, the, yeah. The Blood Major Sacrifice gem is the strongest thing in the Zion of Nozon in draft, at least. I, I love that gem. Like, good luck dealing with my seven, my seven six. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I, I very much agree. Um, all right, let's move on to our third pack. This is the first pick. Uh, we are, let's see what we got here in this pack. We've got a another Kismix Curio, yes, uh, Oakenge Druid, a uh, Lasgar's Bloodsworn, uh, Dustwing Priest, Ashwood Firebrand, uh, Mechanized Aerialist, Explosion, and those are uh, Altar of Nazan. Those are most most of the heavy headers here in this pack. So, uh, do you see something that would have, uh, in your opinion, cemented me into one of those other two shards? Or my what, eyes what do don't think? my eyes don't move away. There's this really nice art on Ashwood Firebrand. I just can't can't stop looking at it when I look at this pack. I just can't imagine the scenario where you don't take the Firebrand here. Um, if if the Firebrand wasn't here, this pack is super interesting because the Okench Druid, the Lasgar's Bloodsworn, and the Explosion are all really good cards for what you're trying to do. The Bloodsworn is great because it gives us... Like, if you give that thing Swift Strike with one of your already existent Firebrands, it's just nutty. Explosion is fantastic removal and a great way to trigger both Scrounge and... Assault, which are things that we might end up with. Uh, there's a couple of cards we've looked at regretfully in the past, like, oh, if only we had Scrounge. Uh, and then, I mean, if you want to go into Diamond or Wild, you know, Okench Druid, Duskwing Priest, there's good cards here. Even even Mechanized Aerialist is a very good card for our deck if we had somehow been in Sapphire. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um I think you're just taking the Firebrand and you're really happy with it. And I would have been happy with some of the other picks here too. Uh, the Bloodsworn. Uh, this is the pack. Or this is the first. Oh, this is the first pack. Yeah, pack three. This is pack three. That makes sense. So you opened a Kismet's Curio and you passed. Rough beats. And he got past one as well. Yeah. So, Pena, is one is your face on one of those birds in the background of the Kismet's Curio? If you scroll in and look close enough no, no. Uh -oh. Uh oh i just really seeing things <laughs> i mean is it maybe that would be weird like it's, nobody has ever told me they're just like yeah we just stuck you on a card just, yeah, you just have certain cards that you associate with players and that's already one i've started associating with you <laughs> well like i think i'm the only one who's running it in competitive constructed right now that's actually not reason. true oh well i think i'll go a few I'll, people who's i'll go it. into it later but uh i've actually been playing it in blood um just as, as arachnophobia a, protection in the mirror oh uh, not only is it good arachnophobia yeah. protection but in your particular list that you won the uh and i talk about this on a five shards article actually in your particular list that you won the uh that you top aided with i guess you didn't win mm -hmm. the draft with your constructed deck um 
the Cosmic Crown. Uh, Kismet's Curio is a really good way to get rid of a spare Zentoth's Malice. Uh-huh. And it lets you run three instead of two, or four instead of two, if you want, and not be afraid of duplicates. There were also like really awkward situations where like your opponent has uh, used all their resources, and then you have like two threats in your hand, like you have two vampire princesses, and you're scared of hero fall. Yeah. So you play one and then curio it immediately, yeah. so that you don't have to worry about that, and then you can play the other princess after that one's been dealt with, and not have to worry about hero fall. Yeah. But that that's a little more. Right. It, we we don't have to go into that. A, so let's get back to limited. <laughs> yeah. Area. Right. Um, Matt, why don't we keep moving along? What's the uh, next pick? Absolutely. Our uh, next pick, uh, I'm sorry, this is pack two of uh, of the third wave of packs, and we've got a Satyr's uh, Roost Bard. Um, oh. Well, Smoke we Claw Raker, a, uh, another Forgotten Forge, an Ashen Gravebane. Let's see what else. Another Fire in the Hole, another Battlefield Ironsmith, a Feral Squeaker. Um, yeah, I think this pick was pretty obvious, but I wanted to show uh, not only what I was passing for this card, so I, I think that almost shows you what I think of this rare, in particular taking it over a piece of removal and a card that is very good um, in my deck in the Iron the Ironsmith, but uh, what are your thoughts here? Do you think that taking this bard and going in on the wild was the correct play, or should I just yeah, continue 100%. the consistent picks of uh, removal and or good cards for my aggressive deck. Considering how many firebrands we have, this mm-hmm. is this is one hundred percent the pick. Like you, you're gonna almost certainly be Lysander at this point. If you draw it late, you're gonna have three or four, maybe you know, let's say one to four, Valored troops. So your two drops actually gonna be anywhere from a three four to like a six seven, and it draws cards. This any card in limited that says i can draw you cards that others i'm a troop and i draw you cards that's that's stupid good he's also just fine like as a as a turn two play when you really want to affect the board immediately uh so i the card is just fantastic all around and uh, we don't necessarily need or even want a, another fire in the hole i think at this point just because we don't want to get clogged up with too many in our hands. Uh, I, yeah, I love the bard here. It's been, it's a, it's a great pickup. Yeah, I mean, it was, I thought it was a pretty obvious pick for me, but I was just so excited to be able to take a rare and play it that uh, that, one of those... that may have tunnel visioned me a little bit on this pick. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's, I think it's correct. It's one of those moments where you regret Hex being a digital TCG, though, because you couldn't just, like, look over at the guy to your side and be like, What? Oh, I mean, what? I thought it. I thought it. That's for sure. I, <laughs> like, I was shocked. I mean, honestly, though, seven people don't get took, to see you take the card and windmill slam it onto the took, table. He took a comment over these the cards that were in this pack. I cannot imagine what was taken. A bring to valor. Um, maybe a firebrand, even. <laughs> I guess, like that, that. Honestly, I was just kind of blown away that there was a common taking out of this taking out of this pack and yeah. maybe maybe he's got like six uh thorn puppies or thorn pups at this point no never mind i saw the next pack damn it <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll go on to said next pack um 
He's which got has a, a thorn pup in it, by the way. Frostbite, a casualty of war, a smoke claw raker, a ruthless intimidator, a thorn pup, an ashwood firebrand, a uh, adamantium war priest, uh, some other stuff lingering around. So, uh, what are your? I guess not so much your thoughts on this. this I would like to. Well, I, I would like to tell you why I took Firebrand over the Intimidator in this pack, and I, I'd like to get your feedback on it. Sure. Um, so you've seen most of the draft th thus far. So I took the Firebrand here, and I just figured that because the Ruthless Intimidator was a double ruby threshold, that had a better chance of wheeling than the card that was a single ruby threshold. Yeah, I can see that. It's not just that, but I also think it synergizes better with your You've got the fire in the holes. Card at this point and the fire in the holes. Yeah. yeah. Fire in the hole with Swift Strike is just fantastic. So I I like that even more. So I think I would first pick that um, over the other one, even regardless of which one I thought had a better chance to wheel. Fair enough. Spoiler, the thing did wheel and I took it. So um, nice. I just thought we'd I thought it would be a, a meaningful conversation. This next pack uh, gave me nightmares, and uh, I'll read you some of the cards in it. We have a Bolt Spasm, an Ardent Officer, a Wrong Turn, uh, Haunting Cry, Naive Lackey, Blazing Hammer, Daring Freebooter, Lamify. Uh, I think that's... I mean, every almost every card in this pack is playable. I think the worst card in this pack is probably this Sniper. But he's so adorable. Oh, yeah, and, I, and I've played him, and I will play him in the future, but He's probably the worst <laughs> card in this pack. Yes, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's, tough. it's a tough choice here because at this point, like, you you know your wild ruby. So the diamond train has passed, I'm guessing. So the even the Arden Officer isn't really a pick. And the Lomify isn't even a pick. So you're really just deciding between Bolt Spasm and Blazing Hammer here. And Bolt Spasm is super good with the Firebrand. But a blazing hammer is a blazing hammer. That I mean, that's why I wanted to put this up there is I felt like this pick was actually a lot harder than it looked. I think that if you are so heavy into Ruby now, even if we did pick up the Seder Roost Bard, I think that the Ardent Officer is arguably as good as the Seder Roost Bard. Um, but I ultimately would probably go with the Bard just because we have so many ways to generate Valor. Uh, but I also don't feel as bad about shipping an Ardent Officer at this point in the draft because clearly nobody else is in Ruby Diamonds if we're seeing it this late. And we've been taking so many Ruby cards ourselves that I doubt that the people to our left are going to be in it. So it's not like you're really hooking them up. I think that card's just going to go unplayed. So uh, I agree that it for me it was between the Spasm and the Hammer. And I have a hard time passing a Bolt Spasm. Um, and I guess uh, we didn't... We don't get to use that bring to justice since we're in wild at this point. So uh, you just come down to I really felt like I needed a, another removal spell um, that much over a bolt spasm. But I mean, going turn one bolt spasm into turn two firebrand is just so strong that I'd have a hard time passing up that bolt spasm, Matt. The thing about Fair bolt enough. spasm firebrand, right, is the same thing that happens when you have firebrand Arden Officer. Right, so you play you play your Bolt Spasm, then you play your Firebrand on turn two, and then turn three, you're like, okay, do I what? Where do I move the Valor? Like, it's very rare that your opponent doesn't have a troop on board on turn two in this format. 
I mean, I mean, it's just an aggressive format. If they don't have a troop on turn two, you're, you're already thumbs up. And if now you're looking at, do I put Valor on my Firebrand and then swing with both? Because sure, my Firebrand will get in, but I'm likely going to be losing my, my Bolt Spasm for a one or two drop, and there's not many good trade-ups there. Uh, or do I wait for another turn and try to get uh, another Valor? Right, like That's the tricky thing about Firebrand is that the, the Valor is kind of like, do I hold it? Do I use it? Do I hold it? Do I use it? When do I use it? And so I think the Blazing Hammer is actually just a better pick because especially looking at what your draft you ended up having, you just kind of want to be doing like two drop into two drop plus Valor into two drop plus Valor into so forth. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I I think I probably, in retrospect, wish I had the Bolt Spasm just as another one drop. Uh, I, only one drop, I stink horn, so... In retrospect, I probably should have taken the guy for con- like the consideration just to have something that I could have uh, got out there a little bit earlier than a uh, firebrand. But the blazing hammer did end up winning me a game, so I can't be t- uh, put just putting it to the opponent's face as as a card that had reach. I mean, that that really can make or break you a lot of the times when you're playing these aggressive decks. If they get that wall up, then you're going to need something to get over it, and. Uh, since you don't get a whole lot of flight in this combination, that's kind of why I was leaning towards the hammer. Um, that Ardent Officer wield with three cards left in the pack, I believe. Wow. That's funny. It was shocking to me, honestly. I, I, That was a tough... I mean, it was tough passing the Ardent Officer, I'll be honest, even with the Bard, because I had a Brain to Justice. I had two Crackling Blasts and a Therialist and something else that was decent enough to really sit there and just think about it like what do i think is better the bard or the uh the officer and i, I and I, I don't know if that was right or not but that's was, that draft, was this draft today yeah oh, okay that so again i've been looking for the hex meta data but <laughs> it hasn't updated for today's data and at this point i've like narrowed the search down i'm like all right i'm looking for a ruby wild deck that happened to be running imolith that i don't know when you got this imolith because you didn't put was... data Third or fourth pick. It was. It was. It was I'm sure. I'm sure you didn't talk about it because it was like a snap pick Imolith. But some part of me is like, but I want to see the Imolith that came around fourth or fifth um, pick. I'll look and see if I grabbed a shot. I tried to grab a shot of the, all the stuff that, I don't know before pick six because I mean after that typically, explanatory, but uh, I, t- I oh. typically just try to grab them. But I... <laughs> and hex meta updated. All right, so you are. This is this is going to be a little bit of a weird thing. You are Vermilion Tinted Owl. You placed third in this draft, and if I link this to you guys on Skype, you can put this in the show notes if you want. If somebody wants to go and follow exactly what you picked in this draft, the the hex meta data is here. So you grabbed Imolith on pick like three or four in the next pack. Yeah, it was in pack yeah, three. It was I, in I, pack I, three. I believe they were, ba- I believe my rares were back to back. I think yeah, I took yeah. more than then the MLS, so. Yeah. And not only can you check uh, what in this draft now Maddie picked, but you can also take a look, uh, you can go to the draft table and you can actually see what the other six, the seven people did. Um, and in fact, let's, we can see the person to your left. So 
you are so let's see it was pack three what pack what pick were we interested in what you got past it was the satyr's roost bard right so that's yeah. pack three yeah. so let's assume you're getting past left so let's say that's the buff land piranha i think let's see pack three oh, maybe it's the other guy yeah, it is the other guy, then. So it's... It took a dread bot mist. Oh, it's, the one the who, it's the guy who won. Yeah, it took a dread bot mist. Yeah, so he got those, he got those back-to-back Death's Head Riders, and he had one to pick of the draft, too. So, wow. yeah, this guy's deck was pretty outrageous. Yeah, so... so I, and again, I... I I don't do hex meta. Hex meta is slightly associated with five shards in that we have a tiny little five shard symbol at the top of the thing. So full disclaimer, I'm not shilling for this site by doing this. It's just, it's a really, really good way if you want to find out what's happened in a draft and like see what's going on. Like the guy who won this draft has made not only some ginnable picks. So the guy who beat Maddie, if, if you guys follow the link that I'm sure Paul will put up now, uh, uh-huh. is the wine single flying fish. God, I love the names that this gets. And he first picks a Death's Head Rider. He goes through the draft. He is he is super focused in on Blood Diamond for a very, very long time. Um, one of the few things he does, he cuts you off of an early Arden Officer. So your third pick would have had an Arden Officer. Yeah, your third pack would have had an Arden Officer if it wasn't for this guy. And that's the pick where you took... A fire in the hole instead so you can see how your draft shaped up because of other people anyway it's a good tool i like it I, i'm not i'm not showing i just it's neat oh yeah no it's, it's 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 an excellent source of information to see uh what you did right and what you did wrong as far as not only what what you passed to people but like i said like without even seeing this i i knew immediately when i passed the death's head writer when i didn't take it that i was going to regret it and it shaped that guy's draft that he had three and then i mean he ended up winning because he had i mean honestly that card is just so ridiculous this is a really interesting deck uh it just ends at three with one uh raker at the top playing 18 shards and two century of Nilzans with all these uh winter braves and like grimstall tacticians and black sorcerer uh, black fire sorcerers this is a very focused very all-in strategy and it clearly paid off uh especially getting hooked up with three death heads rider but uh, props to, props to uh, the wine single flying fish for figuring this one I mean, out. I, uh, I could tell you his name. I don't know if he wants me to release his name. No, so. we don't. We don't need to say his name yeah. uh, specifically. But that's that's really, really uh, interesting. Um, just kind of like... going like all in and forcing this. It almost. Not, it, I don't know if he necessarily forced this, but um, just like the car decisions between Century of Nolzon and uh, all the Blackfire Sorcerers and Winter Braves with. Uh, Gorn of the Hell Pit seems really strong, and I don't know if I uh, would necessarily just pick up on that right away in a very aggressive strategy. I mean, it seems awesome. So one of the other people... So let's... I, I You know, not to overrun everything here, but so yeah, one no, of I, the other people at the table, Magnolia Unpleasant Porcupine, ended up running Mono Wild. Wow. Which is nuts. He's got a bunch of feral squeakers, cottontail bruises. He's like super, super aggro deck with the pack hunters and the clobberdons and wild shaper Calvin. It actually looks really good <laughs> looking at his list, but it's like he somehow managed up like mono wild, which is interesting because 
another player in the draft, Firebrick Probable Bandicoot, ended up as Ruby Wild with fire in the hole, multiple fire in the holes, and a Satyr's Roost Bard. So he was he was running like whatever like Matt didn't get this guy did, so they were the they were the wild players. There's a mono blood player who ended up fourth. It's just like going through this and seeing how everybody ended up because we were talking about the picks. There's like a near mono diamond player who splashed Ruby for four cards and Lysander here. Uh, there's a mono sapphire player at the table. Like everybody wow. in your draft ended up like mono something. He got the two curios as well, the sapphire player. I yeah, that that's really in the first round too. Yeah, his deck was uh, he had he had frost bites all over the place. So. No, no, he didn't. Really? He, he had daring freebooters and yeah, mouth yeah, off. Yeah, he had daring freebooters. Uh, he had no frost bites. Unless this unless, is okay. So. So he could have them in the reserves, yeah, and then he brings them in. So we only get to see what his main deck was. Oh, I don't God. see him he used one, at least one. Now that I think I think he even used two in one game. So that's interesting. Yeah, I don't see him having picked any up here in the draft phase. I'm I'm just going through it really quickly, but that, I mean, that could be for any number of reasons that I'm not seeing that. Um, so, is this table an accurate uh, yes this table representation? Is of, of the meta, like as a full, or is this a uh, hyperbolic t table as opposed to like what the rest of the meta feels like? Matt, what do you think? There, I mean, was there a Ruby Diamond player? There was one. There was At one. Least. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I guess it seems, at least on average, it just seems like all these mono decks and these very, very focused, very quick, fast decks, it almost feels like. Um, everything is just so focused and so there's there's no messing around. There's no dilly dallying. You know, there's no just playing good stuff. Uh, you really have to have a game plan, and it has to start like take place on turn one and two. It feels like um, interesting. It's really interesting to be able to break down the draft like this, and yeah, what kind of information can we glean off of this? Yeah, I really I really like the new draft data that's coming. I know a so, lot of people hate it, but. Who who is the guy who says all this? Is it Vitor? Yeah, Vitor, Vitor, Vitor. So big shout outs to him. This is awesome. Yeah. This is just fantastic. Yeah, the API picks all of this data up automatically, brings it in, and then you're able to, like, as long as you're able to find yourself later, you can find this this on Hex Meta. You, like I said, the link will be there. Paul's going to put it up, but it's. It's super easy to find your draft. You, there's no names associated with it unless you're running a very specific API opt-in situation, which I don't think anybody is right now, which is fine. So you get a cute little three-name uh, three situation that randomizes from game to game. Like, I was Periwinkle Nice Monkey once time, one time, and then I was Carnage Hitting Moose another. Like, you, you just get different. Every, every game data is sucked up this way, but then so is the draft data. So... So, like, this is a tool for people who care about how did how did I do myself? Like, down the road, am I... Oh, I actually just found the draft I played earlier. That's funny. Um, by clicking on it accidentally. So you... 
you can say, oh, well, I feel like I was in the right by starting off in Ruby, but then it all fell apart in Pack 2. So you can look and see, oh, did Pack 2 actually fall apart because my opponents are cutting me? Did I make bad decisions? Did I make a bad read? Or did I make a bad decision just because the dice rolled the wrong way and no, no Ruby cards came? Like, oh, they just didn't open Ruby cards. So if you're looking to improve your draft game, this is... This is very helpful because not only do you get to see the cards you picked, you get to see your part like your left and right partners' cards. You get to see what the winner picked. You get to glean information that you don't normally get to. Very cool. Um, sorry, we got really sidetracked here, guys. This is all fun information for us to kind of dive into. Uh, Matt, did we have anything else you wanted to talk about in your draft? Or? No, I we we nailed what. I, I, like I said, I, I took a couple screenshots just about uh, particular picks in general. I think we've uh, covered it pretty well. Uh, did you want to pull your snapshot up? Sure. So, um, for those following along, we're now going to move on to Paul's uh, draft. This was a uh, this is a fun draft. I did this uh, earlier today as well. If we start up in the top left, uh, I opened a Paradigm Shift. Uh, as our rare uh, uncommons, uh, there's an ardent officer that jumps out right away. There is a smoke claw raker, a uh, rocket rider. Uh, in the commons, we see a daring freebooter. Let's see, a war rider. But um, for the most part, that's the only things I'm really looking at consideration for first picks. And uh, I'm really going to need a very good reason not to take an ardent officer. Uh, with my first pick, can either one of you come up with one? Not in this pack, your rare doesn't your right. rare doesn't justify it. You don't have uh, you don't have a justicar in the pack. Not a justicar. Uh, a revenant. A revenant might push me off an Arden officer. Uh, yeah, sure. no, I think I would take a first pick revenant over a Arden officer. Uh, yeah, no, Arden officer is a pretty pretty good three drop to just put into your deck and tuck away and see what you can do. Yeah, this is a, uh, I mean, this, that card just stands out compared to every other card. I mean, there, I'm not even sure what card you'd even put in the conversation with it. I mean, there, there's some really great second picks, but uh, yeah, there's nothing. I, I don't, I mean, there's not even like a really a piece of removal in here. Right. So yeah, I think I would just take the art and officer and, and move on, even if you don't end up playing it. Uh, at least you're setting yourself in a position to be taking the best card out of this pack. I agree. So uh, let's just go to the second pick. And I opened a well purpose. And uh, Money. spoiler alert, spoiler alert, I just take the uh, the well and I don't really look back. But let's talk about the pack as well. Uh, there is uh, Hillstop Monastery, a terror of, of the Black Bark Bog. Has that seen more or less play than you were expecting Matt the terror I think it's seeing about as much play as I expected yeah um have you gotten to make that one work yet Nick mm, you tried it in draft or seal? I, I've had people transmogrified my two drops into it and yeah and you're like thanks yeah I'm like <laughs> that feels hey, bad. Nice. yeah nice thanks I didn't you know I wasn't too keen on that two drop anyway uh no I I, I think I think the problem with Terra of Bleak, Bleak, okay, so the Bleak Borg Bog is you either take it and go for that archetype or you have that archetype and take it. 
And one of those is safe. One of those is incredibly risky and doesn't pay off often. And the the safe method, you just don't see it come around. Like, how much dreadling generation do you need for Terror of the Bog to actually be worth it? Probably, like, your first three picks were all dread botanists. And now you can consider it. So, right. yeah. And even then, you're, like, it's just, it doesn't have crush. It doesn't have life drain. It has lethal, but what does that matter on your four drop? Like on your four four? Like how many things are you not trading with anyway with a four four? So no. No. It needed it needed something else to really shine. Yep. Um so let's just keep moving then. Uh oh I'm sorry, let me talk about the rest of the card. Crackling Tide, uh Gust Mage are all things I would consider the Gust Mage probably being the Best for specifically going with uh, pairing with the officer, but uh, even then, I don't really love second picking a gust mage. Uh, even though the card has done a lot more work than I, I kind of initially expected, but um, let's go to our third pack. The rare is missing. Uh, there is a uh, casualty of war. There's a clobberdon uh, in the uncommons. We see a duskwing priest, a daring freebooter, a veiled lurker, a lot of sapphire stuff. Uh, another Ambershire War Rider. Uh, I do like the War Rider a lot, by the way. I think that mm-hmm. even crushed your Valorous dudes is like pretty strong. Uh, and in, five is so high. Like five and right. Valor is kind of expensive. Right. And then you're not going to get to attack with it until the turn after that. So uh, there's a good chance you're just dead. And uh, if you haven't put up enough pressure, then the the big five, six with crush is, and potentially more things with crush is really yeah. just not going to do a whole lot. If the format is not done at all with 665 or 655, whatever they decide to do, that'll be a card to watch out for. Sorry. I think we are all hoping it does uh, to some degree. Yeah. But uh, I I took the Daring Freebooter here. And uh, another spoiler, I I like it with the Well of Purpose because then we might actually be able to splash into that or the Officer uh, to pair it up with. Like the other things I could have taken, I guess, are. The priest, I think, would be the next best card. I, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, Matt? I like the duskwing. Sorry, I'm not mad, but I like the duskwing priest. Oh yeah, go ahead. Hmm. Uh, see, the only problem, I mean, I, I do like priest. I'm not going to try to say that it's a bad card by any stretch of the imagination, but if we're looking at, uh, I guess the real question is, were you, did you feel confident in your pick of an officer? here like what i guess what was your mindset did you just want to take like kind of like the best card in the pack so i was pretty sure that uh sapphire looks to be the most open because i do like daring freebooter a lot and i did it did look i mean this is just a weak pack overall let's just get that out of the way um and i mean i could have taken the priest and just try to stick to ruby diamonds but uh there were zero ruby cards in this pack, which really scared me. Uh, so I was kind of looking to at other shards in particular. So uh, the freebooter, I think is just the best plan to start with. If that is my plan. So let's, uh, so let's just take a, take a second here. This is, this is probably the most interesting thing that could happen. The guy that is passing to you for the rest of this pack uh-huh. also first picked an ardent officer. That's awesome. So the pack that has the Well of Purpose in it that we talked about just a second ago. He took the Ardent Officer of the Well of Purpose. Yeah, so you 
you, instead of getting a second ardent officer, which the only way I think you could know if that was the case was if that happened to be a print run that you could evaluate, but I think that's the random slot in the uncommon print runs, so you can't. But, man, that's that's crazy. Also, guy to the other side of you opened a Matriarch of Flames, so that's him. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I was in the wrong spot. Yeah, you, yeah, you, sat, down at, you sat down at the wrong <laughs> table. The guy to the left, your right got up, he's like, yes! And you're like, whoa, what? And the other guy's like, oh, I got an art officer, I'm gonna... <laughs> but, um, Matt, I, I, I'm just curious, uh, where would you go looking at this third pick? Where, where would you like to go with this pack? I think I would have taken the, the priest, personally. Okay. Um, just it's a very strong card with valor and typically your valor when you're playing or an officer. So uh, I, I, I really like that card. Um, but like I said, I just, just kind of curious what your feel of it was. And if you felt that you had seen a, if you had seen enough to think that Sapphire was the pick, then I would have, I definitely agree with you. I think I would have taken a freebooter. That card's quite strong. I wasn't particularly, uh, super confident about this pick. I just, I just really didn't. I had a feeling I was not going to see Ruby just because we didn't really see uh, anything in this pack. It, it looked like it was being picked up, um, and it looked like there was a lot of Sapphire and better Sapphire things to wheel from the last pack. We could have gotten a Crackling tied back, uh, potentially another Freebooter in the pack we opened. So, um, anyways, let's keep going. And it wasn't a War Party guide in this pack. Yeah, uh, the. The next pack I open a uh, cloud. I'm sorry. The next pick I open a cloud runner. Uh, there's a battle hymn, an ashen grave bane. Uh, so a lot of diamond stuff. Uh, there's an ardent decree, which would kind of go nice if I do try to go for three shards with the freebooters and the officers. Um, it's a little early to be taking something like that, though. I think. Then uh, there's warband ruffian and infiltrator and a take wing of note. Stinkhorn and Squeaker as well. So I, I just took the Cloud Runner. I uh, this looked to be opening up into a Diamond Sapphire uh, strategy because there's a lot of Diamond cards in the pack. Uh, I was already kind of leaning on Sapphire uh, at this point, and uh, I think it was the correct pick here. Yeah, if you with a Freebooter and then this thing, that's a that's a pretty solid way to get into that that deck that. I was talking about the beginning of my snapshot of that like Sapphire diamond evasive style with freebooters kind of locking down problematic troops. I, I like the strategy. I think it's like, like uh, I think Nick said, I think it's definitely underdrafted and undervalued that, that, that strategy in particular. So uh, we can go into this more when we talk about our archetypes probably next week, but uh, I've, I've actually seen a lot of, uh, and I've done this once or twice, I, I was kind of forcing a Sapphire deck that was playing uh, Deathcrawlers death with the make uh, Dreadling's Gem, and then you're playing like three to four mechanized aerialists at the top, and you're playing those out uh, as early as like turn four, and you're just trying to push those out as quickly as possible, uh, and you're getting to pair that with your choice of like either Diamond or maybe even Ruby if you want to take some wrong turns. Or uh, in Diamond, you do get Cloud Runners. You can get Cloud Runners out like really early, and you can also play like things like Duskwing Priest. Uh, and so you're you're just trying to get things out really early in Sapphire and 
start flying in and uh, you're locking down your opponent's stuff so that they can't race you with your freebooters, with your uh, Malzok ability, or with um, the Sapphire triple shard card. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but right. So uh, it's it's kind of an interesting strategy and it has worked out for me, but uh, I wasn't like married to that yet, but it was definitely uh, something I was thinking about. Uh, and the next uh, pick that I included is the wheel for those who are interested in that. So if we look back at our first pack, uh, the raker came back, which I think is kind of late for a, a smoke claw raker. Uh, there, the free boater did come back, which I was really happy about. And uh, there was you the etherealist. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. What about the cloud runner? So, so the picks before here, just like as a oh, you're you're going through this. Yeah, you've got, gotcha. you you grabbed a brave, a jet cadet, and a second cloud runner uh, right. for your deck here. So, wow. so the freebooter is a, a very good looking, like just yeah. I just yeah. want to because the second cloud runner, I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I was I was very happy with the pickup of the freebooter here. So, so did you? Did you look at the Forlorn Soldier in the pack? I did, uh, but I just, I think that you're, you're going to take, any... yeah, we're not really taking Valor, and I really yeah. think that if you're going to be trying to beat them in the air, you're going to need things like Freebooters to slow them down, and it can even get aggressive with it as well. So, uh, okay. especially if I'm playing multiple Cloud Runners, uh, the Ardent Allegiance is really not going to be an issue, so... Uh, definitely taking yeah, the five of five of your seven your eight picks at this point are in fact ardent so that's not even you you only have one uh card so far that's not making your deck and it's not even you're fine that's great right. i like the daring freebooter there so uh let's move on to pack number two i open a mirror mirror uh which is a Most basic nice. action right uh it's double <laughs> sapphire what? are you salty about him opening a mirror right mirror? I, the, he gets salty about everything. You just have to ignore him. He, uh, he knows that you did this draft, right? Like... Uh, no, I don't know if I've told him. We won't tell him yet. Uh, I'm curious to see what he'll he'll think I did. Uh, so this, for those who don't know, Miramir says uh, create uh, two, uh, create up to two tr- copies of two target troops. Did I say that right? No, no, no. Uh, say it's, it's tar- you take two target cards and create a copy of each of them and put them into play. So I believe the exact wording is probably create a copy of up to two target cards and put them into play. Yep. But so, it doesn't have to be troops. It can be your banners. It can be whatever. So if we're able to copy like a free... So you can't copy two of the same card. Like I can't... If I only have one freebooter, I can't copy two of those. Yeah. Is that right? You okay. But two separate bits. But like I could copy a freebooter and a cloud runner. Or a freebooter uh, and a separate freebooter. Right, and just lock them out uh, and just win on the spot. Literally I can also take my opponent's guys troops. Exactly. You can take your opponent's troops. You can do all sorts of things that um, with this card, which are really strong. And this is the reason that you would want to play a six drop, because it is a two-for-one, and it can do things that no other cards can do. It can just come down and win the game on the spot. So um, definitely looking at that. Uh, and uh, at our uncommons, there's a Grimskull Tactician, which I like a lot. Uh, it's a 3-2 that can tap things down and, and then fly uh, when it's attacking for 3 attack, which is pretty strong. Uh, Howling Plains Alpha, I also love that card. Uh, Spring Litter, Disciple, Dread Factory. Uh, in the commons, we see a Broodnet. Uh, could possibly wheel that. The Crackling Blast, we're hoping to wheel if we're 
because we're most likely taking the mirror mirror here, um, which is ultimately what I did take. Uh, there's a Bastion of the Necropolis. You could potentially play that if uh, you really feel like you can get the assault going fast enough, which I think you could in a deck like uh, I did end up with. But yeah, taking the mirror mirror. Any uh, any yeah. thoughts on this pack, Nick? That yeah, seems like an easy, easy yeah. mirror mirror. The only the only real consideration at this point, like. I guess it's a little bit easier for me. I'm looking at, like, your full pack one picks already. Like, the Howling Plains Alpha looks really good on pen and paper, but you're nowhere near wild at this point. And you've you've actually already seen for a good amount of time that wild is not coming to you. Right. Your last couple of packs had, had wild cards in them, like Sly Lookout and Sly Lookout. So you're, you're nowhere. You're not happy with that. Um... Crackling Blast might get some consideration just because you're low on actual removal. Mm -hmm. I I think that's the only thing you might look at, but I think a two-for-one is better. You know, especially because Crackling Blast already costs five. So why not wait one more turn and then just make a dude? Anything from you, Matt, or do you want to keep going? Um, I I think that... I don't know. I guess I just have never got to play Mirror Mirror. But I, I honestly, I think I might have taken the tactician. Yeah, I, I think it, the you tactician. Can give it to flight gym, and if you do get a couple of other like uh, of the Braves or something, that, that really can pay off in the same way that the freebooter can. But I don't fault you for taking mirror mirror because that card just seems like a complete and utter blowout. Yeah, I I think the grim skull tactician might have been the appropriate pick, and. I, you know, again, I'm not going to steal your thunder. I don't know what the next pack you have selected here is, but, oh, it's not. So your pick after this is actually a Grim Skull Tactician. So you would have been rewarded had you have done that, but you didn't mm-hmm. know that, so. Uh, yeah, but let's just talk about that pick real quickly. The Grim Skull Tactician over Mirror Mirror is, I honestly think um, at my spot, I think it was the correct pick to make. I think you want to just push aggression as fast as possible and there's a i mean it just seems like you're a lot of games are not even gonna get a chance to play a mirror mirror not to mention do much with it um it's just really just how balls it's to the wall fast this format is more than anything but yeah oh yeah i like, I'm i mean make come on big I, i'm definitely mirror taking mirror, it yeah <laughs> right but in, i mean in the top eight of a ccs i or another big tournament i think i, I might have taken a tactician uh, now that i know more about the format but um so I, I took the tactician. I don't know why I didn't include it in our snapshot, but uh, it might have been just an easy pick. The uh, the next pick uh, we have a uh, there's a dread demise in the pack. There's a spearcliff captain, which is fantastic. For what we're looking to do, there is a uh, a winter brave, uh, a gust mage, an etherealist, a wallbuster, and those are all the things in diamond. Outside of that, uh, there's a venom blade, uh, a lackey, a blades a bladesman. Not a whole lot else going on. So uh, I'm just going to take the Spearcliff Captain. I don't think there's much else to say. Like, the Gust Mage is interesting if I am going to try to go for the really quick flyer strategy, and I think it's something we could talk about. But I think the Spearcliff Captain, to be able to give your freebooters potentially uh, flight, is going to be strong. But it is much worse outside of the Ruby uh, ways to create more valors spearcliff captain does not pair as nicely in sapphire since a lot of your stuff may have flight already but uh sorry what were you gonna say nick well it's 
if you had taken instead of the mirror mirror the grim skull tactician i think you might I think you might just idle you even though Spirit Cliff Captain is a stronger card ninety-five percent of the time, at that point you might take the Winter Brave. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Be... But that, that, that's a totally different pick at yeah, that yeah. point. You know. Yeah. But but yeah, I, I agree with you. I do agree with you. Um anything you want to discuss about this pack, Matt? Um, you know, this there's not much to say. I think it, uh, honestly it comes down between the the Spearcliff and the Gus Mage, and I think that the Spearcliff is just better overall, especially since we're still. For, I mean, we're, what would you say about halfway through the draft? I think you can still catch a couple, a uh, couple of additional Valor guys to get a payoff on the captain. I don't think it's out of the realm, like not going to happen, especially with all these socketed guys kind of floating around. I'm still eyeing that ardent officer. I, I kind of want to splash him if I can, but it's uh, we'll we'll get to splashing in a minute. So the next pack, uh, I open up an ardent officer, a, <laughs> which is pretty insane. Uh, there's another Howling Plains Alpha. Uh, there is a fire in the hole. There is a uh, Venom Blade, a Priest, Dustwing Priest, a Ashwood Firebrand. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I know that the person to my right who was passing to me was most likely in Ruby because we just didn't really see any pack one. Uh, and I, there's no way I could pass an officer to him. And I would like to play it myself, too, if I can get it. And I think that like multiple officers alongside multiple art troops is enough of a reason to splash it as well. Or I could even just jump ship from Sapphire if I really uh, felt I had enough playables to do so. But I think the Arden Officer is the correct pick here. I like your Arden Officer pick here. It's it's a tough pack because like every card. Yeah, I think you're looking at like one of the most playable packs possible at this point. There's what like, I guess, Eldritch Whispers is a bad card. Everything else here you would put in a deck at some point at some point in time. Um. Yeah, I really like Arden Officer. This is tough. I I mean, I think if you're taking the Arden Officer, I mean, are you just gonna? Wow. I might go you, for the Lamify. You, you'd have to be going for like the the heavy splash. Like, there's no Uzu, right? I'm. This yeah. is a pretty bold pick. I mean, if you if you felt comfortable going the splash, then I think that's ab- absolutely the right pick. It is by far the best card in this pack, but. Um, I mean, but we, I don't think I can pass that card. I can't afford to. Are you are you talking about like in cannot, terms of can, value for your it. own deck, or are you talking about no for I, for, for hating? Like because I feel both like... really, but like even the, like I'm not solidified into playing at that point. But I just I don't feel comfortable. Sure, Sorry. but how do you feel about okay? So like the the other pack in here, like you almost 100 percent can jam Lamify. Uh-huh. And sure, you're turning a three drop two two into a into a two drop two two, but I think you might just be nailing like primo value if you manage like so. Let's say you know obviously this is never the case when you talk about these kind of picks. Like you're never going to be playing against the Arden Officer holding the Lamify if you reverse these picks. That's just not the way the real world works. But Lamify is pretty solid, like anti Arden Officer. And you're sure. already talking like you have 
one, two, three, four ways to exhaust or stun this thing as it is, and a crackling tide, and a guppy gloves at this point. So, I mean, I don't hate hating it. I don't. I don't think that's wrong. I just think maybe if you look at Lamify and and you you like, not only is Lamify good for my deck, but I can beat the card that I'm hating with it. Maybe that's a. I'm not a very good limited player. People shouldn't be listening to me. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, Matt, that's Matt is much more along those uh, that line of thinking than I am. So why don't you jump in, Matt? Okay, so again, if. I don't. I think that Arden Officer is the right pick if you feel comfortable enough going the the tri shard strategy. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, the so I, I honestly sitting here listening. I think I I think I would make your argument for you by saying that you look at the two shards you're in, which is Sapphire Diamond, and realistically. Uh, did we get a crackling blast i think we saw one but i don't think you picked one so realistically like your best option for removal is killing a a non-valorous troop and if you're passing ardent officer he's probably playing a valor deck so like your only way to actually remove this thing other than lamify is probably not going to work so i think honestly i would just take the ardent officer even if i didn't end up playing it because you're uh, avenues to actually removing a card like this are even fewer than it would be if it was a different uh, card of the same uh, power. Out, I mean, again, outside of being in these shards where you're playing a Valor deck, but that's what worries me is like your 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 two avenues are Lamify, which while Lamify is a very potent card, if you're playing against the aggressive deck, turning a two two into a two two could still just kill you right like right you're removing the text sure but if that guy is playing an aggressive deck you've done nothing you've actually just taking it taken a turn off against the aggressive deck so i i think that that is an argument for just cutting the art officer fair enough uh let's Keep going on. So, uh, I love you. This is the next pick. This is good. Right. <laughs> the uh, next pick is, believe it or not, another Cloud Runner. So, uh, I think I have three at this point. So, uh, super stoked to pick that one up. This um, is your third. This, this, will this is the me. third. So, there is a Crackling Blast in the pack, though. And there is also a Primal Plism. Yeah. Uh, so, we're light on removal. So, the Blast would really help us out. The Prism could, uh, make it a lot more viable to play these ardent officers but uh i think that you're just you're going to take every cloud runner you can get if you're already running multiple so uh yeah just pick a cloud runner um i don't there's not a whole lot more to say about this so let's just keep going uh the third pack i open up another well this is the well of ancients Jeez. so another money <laughs> Another money card, and I'm happy with this. At this point, uh, I've picked up two wells, and uh, I don't, you know, even if I don't, I scrub out of the draft, I still fine, uh, and I, I still feel fine about the deck that I can, I can do better than that. So uh, there is a lava shaper in the pack, which is uh, scary. 
there is uh, another Grimskull tactician, so we could have ended up with a bunch of these guys, which would have been pretty fantastic. Um, there is a Spring Dancer, a Dawn Scout, a Cremate, Gruesome Deed. Um, yeah. So and there is a Crackling Tide as well. So let's talk about things we want to wield since we are going to just rare draft here. Crackling Tide would be nice. Uh, tactician would be fantastic, but realistically, that's not going to wheel. So the things that we're talking about realistically wheeling are like a Crackling Tide or a, a Dawn Scout. But I think the Crackling Tide is is decent and uh, a little tempo play that if you are playing like a, a flyer strategy that you wouldn't mind uh, picking that up on the wheel. Any uh, any thoughts you guys want to talk about? Um, or is this pretty self-explanatory with the well of me? I mean, yeah, how can you not take a wall? A like, I mean, that's true. I mean, we know why you're taking the well of ancients, right? Like, this is this is worth more than the booster pack you opened it up in, and that's fine. Um, it's I think it's actually the most expensive dual shard, uh, not dual shard, um, well shard so far. Um, man, it's a strong pack though. Some D, Dawn Scout, Cremate, Grim Skull, Lava Shaper, Lava Shaper, eh? You could have played the Lava Shaper. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah I can't believe this pack. Yeah, this, this is a nutty pack. Just a very strong. What's funny because it's got some really high highs, right? And then it's got like Skittering Dark, Century of Nolzon, which is a fine card. Glyph of Hatred. Yeah. The glyph. I mean, automatically a garbage pack. It's got a glyph in it, but realistically, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's it, it it's hard to pass a Well of Ancient because it is quite expensive. But man, it it it's a painful. Uh, it's one of those packs that. You do show like somebody else after the fact, and like, look what I passed to take this stupid <laughs> shot. <laughs> um, so next up is uh, the rares missing. There is a casualty of war, a puke troll. Uh, there's a coral cove witch, which I'm really happy about. I love the card, and uh, clearly we can slide it into our deck. I don't know if this is necessarily like the best deck to play it in, but uh, you're pretty much one in any sapphire deck. Um, and both relevant abilities, uh, and you can just fire it off as a blocker as well that your opponent doesn't know about. Uh, I like it a lot. There's a, uh, a Harvest and a Venom Blade that we're not really caring about at this point. There's a Duskwing Priest, which is a really good argument to honestly just take here uh, if we do want to just stay with the Flyer strategy. Uh, there's a Take Wing, a Patrol Bot, but I do take the Korokov, which just because it is kind of a, a little bit of a rare commodity, and you can do some things with that card that... Other cards can't do so. Um, what do you guys think? Would you uh, would you take the witch here, or do you just stick to your flyers and take the deskwing breeze? I'd find the guy who was sitting to your right and go and punch him in the shoulder because he cut a moonrise elder from you. <laughs> it would have been so good in your deck. Um, yeah, no kidding. I like the I I love Ferret Coral Cove, which I think it's the most powerful uncommon in the set bar none like it is so stupid with the kind of sh shenanigans you can pull with that card um and i actually i know you talked about there being a lot of things in this pack to look at i i just for our for the deck we have so far nah i'm just coral cove witch all day maybe yeah. does going priest maybe no i think it's definitely the, the witch the the witch the witch the witch uh if 
the Dustwing Priest was an ardent troop, then maybe I guess since we have ways to to buff ardent troops, but I I don't. We've seen one. I think you've picked one Valor card, so I think it's pretty obvious and easy. Coral Cove Witch. Yep. Uh, next is uh, yet another ardent officer in the pack, uh, making us our third. Uh, the rare is a Windborn Overseer, which is basically a three-five with flyer and uh, a bunch of irrelevant text on it. Uh, there's a Clobberdon and an Astral Sight. Uh, Astral Sight. Unfortunately, it's just way too slow. I don't think I've ever cast it. I don't think I've ever seen it cast in Limited. There is a Adamantian War Priest. There's a Winter Brave. Um, so at this point, there's a Guppy Gloves and like a Dust Cloud and Battle Agenda. But at this point, we really need to decide whether or not we think we can splash these, all these Ardent Officers. Or I could also just hate another one for the same reasons I hated the last one. But, on, I mean, this is your you have to really... Really, you're right. getting rewarded for hitting it. Um, it's interesting you got you like so, just tailgating back to information that you didn't know while you were making this snapshot. You got uh -huh. you got cut from a second Arden officer pack two pack one pick two by the guy to your right, right, who has now passed you an ardent officer. So that's so he looked at this pack and he I, I know what he took. It doesn't matter what he took. Uh, his deck has gone a different direction, kind of sort of at this point. Uh, taken a card and left you with an Arden Officer now. And that sways your decision, which is... It's interesting to me that that happens in Draft. Draft is such a wonderful format. It is. There's a lot... I mean, there's so many little things going on. Like, that whole interaction that you just all talked about, there's, like, so many different things that are going on that we don't normally get to talk about or even think about or see, but with access to this information. Um, I mean, it, there's something to be said that there's not a whole lot I could have done about all no, those series obviously. of events, but there it's it's interesting to think about. Um, so in the future, is this going to sway the way I think about drafting? And so I, I don't think it should, and I think that's something people I, I, I worry people are going to miss. No, there's, there's understand very little that first. you can you can right. like fully grasp here, but you can you can see what mistakes may be made going through your own picks. Right. And you can see what decisions were, because sometimes you legitimately get punished for things like your opponent drafted weirdly, and you're like, "Did I read the signals wrong?" No, your opponent just changed gears for no reason in the middle of pack one, right? Like sometimes that happens, and and you know this is information that you get to. It's it's weird here because you get to see this Arden officer. This is a pack a pick three Arden officer. And you're like, oh. I, I could even potentially see another one. Like, this this might... Because there's still five packs to go. This one's already made it two guys down. Right. Pretty absurd. Um, I mean, I'm not going to bank on the fact that there's going to be another Arden Officer, but yeah, you're absolutely right. There, Just the possibility is pretty absurd. Um, but obviously the big problem, and I think the elephant in the room that we're kind of not talking about is the splash and like we we all know and we all agree that art officer is incredibly powerful we don't need to talk about that we need to talk about in a super aggressive format and also in an aggressive deck myself or at least that's what i'm trying to do can we be splashing realistically uh are are we just going to get run over and are we going to get punished uh is the payoff there or is consistency even uh a weaker overall card strength of your deck is that just more important just to be making plays every turn of the game? 
Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I do think it's something we should think about. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts on on that? On this pick or just the idea of... Uh... Just that idea I was talking about. <sighs> yeah, I mean, in this format, you get punished for missing and messing up more so than really any other limited format that we've seen, I think, in X. So, um, yeah, I... It's it's tough. It's really I, I feel like splashing your third shard in this format is 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 just very very difficult. Um, there's so many things you have to keep in mind, and I mean our fixing is kind of bad. Um, you no at this point. I mean you have you have a well at least in your main two shards, so that's a good start. Um, We're also not running any double threshold we have we have a single double threshold diamond and potentially one or two we have a double coral sapphire cove witch, so. yeah we have a coral cove witch and we have a mirror mirror and then potentially cards that we haven't discussed in the pick guppy gloves and a waylay so i mean splashing for a third shard at this point isn't unrealistic and with three Arden officers, like, I think the value of it starts to become a little more apparent because, like, not only do you have two daring freebooters still that we, we talked about earlier, like, they want the Ardent Allegiance. You want to cohesively work the Ardent Allegiances together. This would be a much easier decision if the Ardent Decree was Ruby Diamond Sapphire instead of Ruby Diamond uh, Wasi. Because then, right. you, you, then you would just... You almost guaranteed to get one or two of those. But I think I would risk it for the biscuit at this point because I don't I'm not feeling too great about our our Sapphire Diamond deck. Our pack two was really weak. We got one extra cloud runner, we got the spear cliff. We didn't get a whole lot. Like your late our late pack two was fairly weak. Matt, what would you pick here? I think I would just take the fixing. Personally. Are you looking at the, I'm sorry. No, I'm talking about the art officer pack real quick. Oh, I I, uh, I thought I, we, we, I thought we were pretty uh well established on that. Like you, you wouldn't Okay. No, it's okay. I, I maybe we were and I wasn't. <laughs> uh so I'm sorry. so yeah, we do, we all agree on the officer. So oh, absolutely. the next pick yeah, um, I don't think it's even close. I mean, the only thing that you could have I guess taken in this pack and again, I, I apologize. I thought we really had just kind of run this one into the ground, but um, I guess you could have taken the Winter Brave, but that doesn't even remotely compare. Like, why would you not take the Arden Officer? I think it's just almost silly at that point to not take it after you've already kind of invested in two of them. Uh, so, I did pick up a Shard Prism, which I did include as a, uh, one of the last picks I include on this snapshot, but uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory the power of the officers we've Gone in depth about primal prism. Um, primal prism. I'm sorry. No, I, and, the only reason uh, I correct you is because I think shark prism is a different card, right? Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. yeah, sorry. And I would have liked one of those, but unfortunately, uh, they're not in this set. But uh, the battle hymn uh, is something to consider, especially with all these cloud runners. That would be pretty fantastic. But we're not very heavy in diamond, and we really want to find a way to turn these officers on. Uh, so I do um, end up with two Primal Prisms and a Tinkertron with, as my ways to play my Ardent Officers along with two Ruby Shards, which gives me four 
resources that can produce Ruby and then a Tinkertron as well. And uh, the rest of my shards, like I'm not super heavy into the other, into Diamond or Sapphire. There's a couple doubles, which does trouble you if you are trying to splash, but I think it's doable, uh, especially with a well of purpose. So uh, all in all, you have like one, two, you have like nine sources uh, if you include the prisms as well for your other two shards as well, which is probably enough to make it work. Uh, it is a little awkward with cloud runners though, because cloud runners are a little more restrictive. And if you end up with a ruby shard, it just doesn't help you play cloud runner at all. But if you can, you can generally you know, curve three into of them on turn four, right? You get and you can, but you can play like two on turn two and, and into an ardent officer. I think that's going to be winning most games. So, um, so I'm curious to think. I, I include the deck list down at the bottom, and uh, what do you guys think about a champion selection for this deck? Nick, go first. All right, so we could shoot. Okay, so we're we're not going to be Lysander. We don't have enough. We don't have enough ruby. Like your final right. deck does not include enough ruby to care about Lysander. We don't really have any synergy with Valor even. Um, we don't have any reason to use. I would think. Uh, I don't remember the name of the venom who does the thing. Malzok. Yeah, sure. That sounds like a guy who does the thing I'm thinking of. That's the stun guy. Yeah. Yeah. So our remaining options are. So we could run Ada, which would be very risky because that's like Ada. Ada is probably our most aggressive choice, but that is triple diamond threshold, which is hilarious to think about in, um, in terms of like how our deck is built. Uh, we could go Bishop Elijah. Actually, I think I like Bishop Elijah. Yeah. So you've got you've got four one drops, which are two two flight troops, which are great. You've got two daring freebooters, which are also great. And he starts with what, 21 health? Yeah, I think I like Bishop Elijah. There's also one really cool interaction with Bishop Elijah and Coral Cove, which yeah, you, you can reduce the cost on, um, say, your Ardent Officers in your hand or, or any of your three drops or four drops, and then all of a sudden you can replay those as well, which uh, it's pretty interesting. So, which I'd be much more uh, excited Matt, about if we had more than one coral coverage. Yeah, no kidding. So it it, pro it may or may not come up, but it's something you should keep in mind. Uh, Matt, what would you think about for your champion? Well, the mm, Bishop Elijah seems probably your best bet. Um, being able to get all these aggressive, evasive troops back. Um, the only other option I really can think of is maybe Marshall Josefina. Yeah, yeah. But we we have a super hard time making use of her ability. Like, we can get through anything that's in the sky. We've got two freebooters. We've got Lost in Time, Crackling Tide, Tide, um, Grim Skull Tactician, plus a Winter Brave, right? Like, we're. It's not likely that an opponent is going to present a flying troop that blocks us out of the game. Right, like that—that that sucks. We instantly lose the minute opponent puts down a three-three flyer. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, 
There is something else to be said about Marshall Josephine. Two things. Uh, number one is just the health. Yeah, 25 total. Health. The 25 health total is big. Uh, it can help you just stay alive uh, for an extra turn that you won't get with Bishop. It will also... The champion ability doesn't seem like it's super synergistic with the things we can do, but, I mean, it can help you race if you're just purely racing in the air, even just slowing down their biggest uh, troop. Uh, it can all... I, what I really liked about Marshal Josefina, uh, the more I thought about it, was it potentially gives it our chance, our officers, the ardent officers, the chance to swing twice. Because the way the deck kind of shapes out, if you kind of look through the way your curve is, is you're most likely going to have a couple flyers in the air, and then you're going to get your officer out. You're going to swing in, uh, most likely throwing your officer away to a blocker, because it's not like they're just going to let this thing live. Uh, unless you're lucky enough to have held on to your freebooter or a crackling tide to uh, allow it to swing twice as well. So that's just another way to help your officers survive an attack and then potentially be able to attack in for the win the turn after that, bumping up all your runners. So I think that Josephina was technically like the safer pick, but I took Bishop Elijah just because I really liked the cloud runners and the and the freebooters as well. So um, yeah. The uh, I the the resources base looks wonky, but it was a lot better than it looks. I think it it, it was fine. That uh, wasn't too much of an issue. I just uh, unfortunately I uh, promptly went o two in games and uh, was out of the draft really quickly with this deck. Uh, I played against another Bishop Elijah deck. This one uh, was a Diamond Wild deck, and it was very aggressive. And uh, it had mm. it had the four two with a uh, flight attack on it, which I yeah, it was a really strong pairing with that as well. So I uh, also so, had like Moonrise Elder and a bunch of other stuff. So go ahead, Nick. That, that is the guy who has been cutting you since pack one. Yeah. <laughs> and he has, he has in the middle of his draft shifted from like, so he originally took the uh, Ardent Officer. He decided to go with the Grimskull Tacticians that you weren't. Uh -huh. And he has multiple Grimskull Tacticians, like four Root Wranglers, which are the four twos with the minor socket, three War Riders. His curve is nuts. In his champion choice, he, he has gone Bishop Elijah, but he didn't really have as good of a reason to do it as you did. He's got two Howling Plains Alphas. I guess that's the reason. Right. Um, but yeah, his deck is is pretty bonkers. And yeah, like he's he is just like one card ahead of you. In every moment, you won't always play the guy who who is next to you, as far as I'm aware. So that's not always going to be the case. It's just but random, it's right? I I I think, I think I'd have to do more looking into it, but yeah. Uh, so Matt, anything you want to say about this this draft? I I have things that I'd like to say. Yeah, but, please. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll keep them private. Oh, okay. Joke, but, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna um, uh, drill me. I, no, I think this is a cool deck. I actually kind of like how it fell together. Um, it's it's a shame that you did didn't really get to play a whole lot of games with it. Uh, yeah, that, I feel like that really, I feel that really, like you'd sucked, have done really good here. Yeah, like it, I think it's very cool that you actually tried playing the tri shards. Uh, I, it's I think you have to be you have to be bold to play tri shard in this because of the for the, all the reasons that we explained. Like. Y 
there's just so you're you're giving up a lot of consistency and and, and how aggressive this format is just so fast. It's just it's almost like frenetic feeling playing limited right now. Like you almost feel depressed when you don't play a two drop. And and I don't know if that's good or bad, but it, it does lead you to be a little bit more cautious and controlling of what you get to play and hopefully um, set six slows it down so maybe we can see some more interactions that just can't work because of the the general speed of the format. Oh my god. The guy who got seconds deck is insane. Holy damn. I'll show you guys after. Holy damn. How did this guy lose? That's I seriously somebody at your draft table has has drafted the best deck. This is the best deck in Hex. I'd play this in Constructed. Holy dang. Uh, cool. So, anything else, Nick, about this draft, or uh, shall we move on? No, no, no. That's, that's everything. We can move on. So, um, I w we wanted to build an Evo pool together. I'm having issues with the client because of uh, the fact that they are going into uh, yeah, we talked maintenance right now. Long. So, <laughs> I, I apologize for our listeners. We will do a Evo build uh, next time, because I know a lot of people are wanting to rank up the ladder and they want to, uh, some, some discussion about that. So, uh, we'd love to get into that uh, a little later, but, um, we're going to actually have to call that for, for the night. So, um, is there any, any thoughts you want to, uh, part with Nick, uh, as far as the draft format goes? Um, I, I, I don't think, it's as horrible as people think it is that it's aggressive. Like I know that there's been a very negative connotation about that, but it's just because this is the most aggressive that a hex format has been doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad thing. Um, I, I'm actually having a lot of fun with the format. It's one of, I, I'm having a lot more fun with it than four four three. Also, I just wanted to thank you guys for inviting me on. Congrats on episode twenty five. We're getting there, <laughs> uh, Matt. Final thoughts. Um, this format is actually a lot of fun, and uh, I, I think that my general rule of thumb is if I still enjoy logging in and playing, and it doesn't feel like a grind at all, that they did something right, and I'm still really, really enjoying it. And even even now, like when we look at these decks, it's you see things that you just don't. For me, I just didn't even expect to see like the the. The gentleman who I played that had all the socket, like just was like full all in, all in on the socket deck. I honestly didn't know that that could work, and it was kind of cool to see people actually trying to innovate in this format that a lot of people say is already solved, and you just play super aggressive Ruby Diamond every time. Yeah, uh, I I'm also going to uh, have to agree with Nick that I I think that there is a lot of hate about the format and people complaining uh, that it is just too fast and they don't like this style. Um, but, you know, luckily uh, they are shipping out uh, new sets like a lot faster than I think most people expected. So um, you won't have to wait too long to get your hands on a new format. But this is what I want to say about it is I really think that you just have to learn to adapt or die. And it may not feel good and it may have to, force you out of your comfort zone but this is what's going to help you become a better player and a better limited player 
in general is to learn how to draft in this new format and think of it as a puzzle. And uh, you maybe you have a certain way you like to approach, uh, you know, solving the puzzles that you normally do. But the what if you're kind of forced to uh, think differently? And that doesn't mean that the puzzle is necessarily a bad puzzle. It just means that you're going to have to uh, figure out how to make something successful work and you're going to have to reevaluate the way that you think about things uh, and the way that you evaluate cards. So uh, I just want to point that out. And uh, I, uh, I am having fun and I, uh, I do look forward to drafting some more of this format. So um, I do re- want to thank Nick uh, for coming on Penichills. It has been awesome having you on. Uh, we've uh, had a couple guests on now. And I think that is just awesome that uh, there's people in the community that are, you know, willing to help us uh, by just being a part of this show, not only by coming in and giving advice, but just by adding your name to uh, hopefully even get some more people interested in the show uh, just by being a part of it. So we thank you for that. And uh, please, if you are living under a rock and you uh, don't check out Twitch streams uh, for Hex, please uh, stop what you're doing now and go to twitch.tv slash Hex TCG. And uh, you're going to be able to... uh, follow along and see some amazing players um you know it's 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 a little different you know sometimes there's there's guys who are uh just kind of doing stuff for fun playing some pve doing stuff like that uh, sometimes there are people who are a little more focused and uh about either draft or constructed uh but a little bit more of a competitive nature uh but there's a little of something for everyone so uh please go check that out and say hi to penichills uh Identicate and Ducklet, we will be on there as well. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Let's Draft Hex. Uh, you can also just find us under Going Infinite. So um, that is going to do it for us this week. And uh, we look forward to uh, coming back next week. We're going to go a little more in depth on the different types of archetypes. And uh, with all this new information on Hex Meta, we're going to be able to really talk about some. Uh, actual numbers as opposed to just kind of speculation, which is nice. So um, I do look forward to that. And uh, until then, we will talk to you then. Thanks again. Bye.